Hi, and welcome to Follow's weekly message podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message inspires you and helps you to follow Jesus in your community for His glory. Here's the message. What a powerful declaration at the start of our service today. That God is greater, that God is stronger, who can stand against us. This week, uh, I went for a kick of the footy with a good mate of mine, Steve Listerpat. He's one of our life group leaders. And we decided to go out and have a kick of the footy. And obviously, it goes without saying, we are super fit, like super fit. We're in peak condition. Um, and so we went out for a kick of the footy. And actually, we realized after about 45 minutes of huffing and puffing that we're not as fit or as young as we actually think we are. And so before we did an old man's injury and popped a calf, we thought we'd just count our lucky stars, finish the kick of the 40 and do a couple of warm down laps. And so we went for a couple of laps. But the problem is that Steve and I talk a lot, right? Like a lot. Uh, We could talk the legs off a rocking chair. And so two laps turned into 20 laps around the oval, just talking about life and catching up and all those important things. And as we're walking around on one of the laps, it was kind of like a dark, dreary day. It was on Wednesday afternoon. And we looked over... Uh, we're going down the wing of one, one wing on the oval, and we looked over the other side of the oval, and all of a sudden there was this magnificent rainbow. It wasn't like one of those little mini bows where you kind of go, eh, is it a rainbow? Yeah, I think, well, maybe. This was like one of those huge ones that went from one side of the oval all the way over to the other side of the oval, and it was bright, and it was vibrant, and it was absolutely stunning. And it was a kind of rainbow that made us stop and just admire this magnificent reminder of the promises of God, that he would never flood the whole earth again. And we remembered in that moment that our God is a faithful God. Now, when you have moments of beauty like that, it kind of changes your day. It sort of brightens up your day and you reflect on how good God is. And so we pondered the rainbow and we continued to walk and chat. And as we came around the very next lap, I looked over to where that rainbow was and I stopped and I said, Steve, check that out. And we looked over there and that magnificent rainbow that was there on the previous lap had completely disappeared, just evaporated, was no longer there. It was like it was never there at all. The beauty was no longer visible and the sky appeared to have gone back to what the sky normally looks like. Well, today we're continuing a series and our series is called A New Thing, where we're focusing on the new things that God is doing and saying in our midst. And the topic we're looking at today is the topic of encounter. Late last year, we went through a reimagination process and we looked at a whole bunch of things that we felt that God was saying for us as we move forward as a church. And one of the things we identified was that we believe God was wanting us to grow. And in one of those areas that he wanted us to grow is in the idea of an expecting to have encounters with a God who is living and active in the world and in our lives today. Who here thinks that God wants to encounter us still today? Five or six people. That's awesome. Well, by the end of this, hopefully the rest of you believe that as well, because I believe that's one of the most powerful things about being a Christian. But you know, sometimes the things about having an encounter with God, you know those moments where he speaks to you or you know, he does something in your life that's extraordinary, is that it often happens suddenly. And if we don't stop and appreciate what God's doing and learn from what he's saying, or even expect more encounters in the future, then life can kind of just go back to normal, like that sky with the rainbow that just kind of disappeared. 
And we can forget that it even happened. But the thing about encounters is this, that God provides moments in our lives that he wants to be an encounter that will change us, that we won't go back to normal, that God will do things and say things that will change us as people to become more like Jesus. In February, we did a series called Preparing Our Hearts as we were preparing to come into a new year and back to physical gathering. And on the first weekend, uh, the 7th of Feb, I did a message on encountering God and I shared about a time in the Apostle Peter's life where he had an encounter with God that changed his life in an instant. Like in an instant, his life changed. The story is found in Acts chapter 10. And in this chapter, Peter had this vision where heaven opened up and this sheet came down from heaven with a whole bunch of living creatures on it. Now, the creatures that he saw were animals that he was never meant to eat because according to his customs, they were seen as unclean. But to his surprise, he heard a voice from heaven that said, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, the voice he heard went on to say, don't call unclean what I have called clean. Now, as we read on in the passage, it becomes clear that he's not talking particularly about what he eats and doesn't eat, although that's part of it, but he's actually challenging an attitude that Peter had about other people. He's addressing the fact that Jews of the day saw themselves as clean and everyone else as unclean. They saw themselves as within the love of God, but everyone else was kind of outside of the love of God. And so in this vision, God is challenging the way Peter thinks about this particular topic. And so this moment in Peter's life was an encounter with God that changed everything. All that he previously believed, the way he'd lived his life, and the way he interacted with all people would now never be the same again. Scripture refers to these moments as kairos moments. And these moments are something I want to introduce into our vocabulary this year at Follow. Kairos is an ancient Greek word. Just seeing if this clicker's working. It's better when you turn it on. There we go. Kairos is an ancient Greek word meaning the right, critical, and opportune moment. It's a moment that presents itself and you grab hold of it. From the biblical point of view, Kairos moments are an encounter with God that calls for action conversion and transformation, a change of life where something you couldn't see before now presents itself to you and you know that your life will never be the same. Of course, today is a baptism service and that's what we're here to celebrate. That's what this day is all about, that four people in our church have had an encounter with Jesus in recent times that has changed their lives. And today, they want to publicly declare to their friends and their family and their church family and everyone else watching on live stream that their desire is to follow Jesus. And so today, we celebrate that moment with them. We stand with them in this important step of obedience as they go through the waters of baptism. And it's worth getting excited about for the four people that are being baptised. Because today's a celebration of an encounter that has already occurred in their lives because the moment we accept Jesus is one of those key defining moments or encounters with God that changes our lives. But what I want to get across to us today is that it shouldn't be the last encounter that we ever have. As Christians, we should have an expectation 
that God will continue to reveal himself to us in many different ways and that change of our hearts and lives should be part of our regular everyday journey with him. But my fear is this, that many of us, many Christians here today, we so often whittle God down to something so much smaller than who he actually is. And if we're honest with ourselves, many of us rarely have any expectation of a daily encounter today with God. I don't know about you, but I refuse to believe that God is a dead God found just simply in dry doctrines. Don't get me wrong, doctrine is important. But if our doctrine doesn't lead us to be in awe of God or to become more like Jesus... And we've got to say there's something wrong with our doctrine, or at least the application of it. Doctrine is important, and there's a real danger in flaky Christianity, divorced from God's word. Don't get me wrong, but there's an equal danger, and that is just as valid. And it's a faith that holds to doctrine, but discounts encounters with the living God. Tony Campolo is a well-known Christian sociologist and pastor. And many years ago, in one of his sermons, he told a fascinating story. He told the story of a day that he was a guest lecturer at a university and he was there to deliver a series of lectures. And at the end of one of his lectures, a lady came to the front of the lecture theatre and she introduced herself to Tony and he he said hello and he asked her why she'd come to see him. And she replied by saying, God told me to. Now at that moment, Tony was a little bit nervous when, you know, God tells someone to come and see you but he hasn't told you that they're coming to see you. You know, it's a little bit awkward. Uh, At that point, he felt a bit nervous about it, but then he felt even more nervous because she introduced to Tony her son. And straight away, by looking at her son, Tony could tell that he had some issues. He was partially crippled. His legs were all bent and crooked, and he couldn't walk without a brace, and he would kind of hobble along. And so Tony said hello to the son and then said to the mother, what can I do for you? And she said, heal my son, at which point he became very nervous. And he said he started making excuses. I, I don't have the gift of healing. Uh, I, don't, I don't have that gift. God hasn't given it to me. And she simply replied by saying, God told me to come and see you today. Now, Tony, not exactly full of faith, eventually gathered some people around, this mum and this, this boy, and they, and they prayed for him. And he said it in his own words, they prayed, he prayed a phony prayer. You know the kind of prayers where we say the big flowery, you know, technical words that we say to try and impress everyone else who's there in the room. But we should know, shouldn't we, from Scripture, it doesn't impress God at all. It doesn't impress him at all. And yet we use these big words when really in prayer, God just wants us to speak to him honestly, to be real in prayer. And so here he is, Tony, with all these guys. He's a visiting lecturer. He's kind of the big man and he's saying all these flowery words. And he knows in his head he's praying this kind of phony, going through the motions kind of a prayer. But he said in the midst of his prayer... Something strange happened. He said it was like the presence of God just filled the room. And he felt God right there in the midst of this prayer time as they laid hands on this crippled boy. And so he opened his eyes with great expectation about what God had done in that moment, only to see that the boy had not been healed. Nothing had changed. Three years later, he was a guest speaker at a church. And after the service, the same lady came straight up to him. And she said, do you remember me? And he said, yeah, I remember three years ago, I prayed for you and your son. And she said, yeah, that's why I'm here. I heard you were going to be here and I wanted to bring my son. And he said, oh, yes, how's he going? And she said, he's here. He's standing right here. And Tony looked at this boy and there he was with straight legs, 
nothing wrong with him, no brace, completely healed from the affliction that he used to have. And Tony said, wow, what happened? And she said, you prayed. (laughs) And she said the next day he woke up crying and we noticed his braces were a bit tight, so we loosened the brace. And she said it happened day after day after day until his legs were completely straight. A couple of weeks later, talk about an encounter with God, right? A couple of weeks later, Tony visited some of his close friends who were outstanding theologians. And he told them the story and they all sat there and they listened and, you know, he was passionate about what he was saying in awe of what God had done. And one of them spoke up at the end and said, Dr. Campolo, I'm sorry. My theology does not allow for that sort of thing to happen. Isn't that cute? My theology doesn't allow for God to heal someone. My theology doesn't allow for that sort of thing to happen. At which point Tony said, well, maybe God's bigger than your theology. (laughs) Maybe God is able to do abundantly above what your theology could ever hope or imagine. Because I believe God's always doing something new. And he wants us to have real and genuine encounters with him. But the thing is this, God can't pour new wine into old wineskins. Because they will burst open. And so he creates us as new people. We are born again so we can pour new things into our lives. And I believe the neat little box we put him in with all of our doctrines and all of our things, he just wants to burst out of that. Our preconceptions. He wants to smash through those. Our preconceptions of what he can do and what he can't do. I think he wants to supersede the limitations we sometimes place on our circumstances. And I think he can do the things we see as impossible because in his language, there's no such thing as that word. And so we say, God, I don't think you can do it. It's impossible. And he's like, he just looks at us blankly. I don't know what that word means. (laughs) If I created the universe, if I spoke the stars into being, there's nothing I can't do. There's nothing impossible for our God. And so I want to encourage us as the followers of God followers of Christ here today, don't settle for a God who's just a set of ideas. Don't reduce God down to a seat, a set of neat little doctrines. Don't see God as some aloof, distant God out there like the big man in the sky with a stick who's ready to give you a whack when you do something wrong. Don't sell yourself short with a dry, ritualistic faith that boils down to nothing more than a bunch of morals. Because our God is so much greater than that. In fact, he's so much greater than we can ever imagine. And so embrace a God this morning who's not dead. He's alive and he wants to have encounters with us. That should make us the most expectant people on the planet. That we serve a God like that. The story of Peter in Acts 10, he prepared himself for the encounter he had with God. We read that he went to an upper room. He set aside a place free of distractions. He probably left his iPhone downstairs. And he went to spend time with God. And we know that he went up there to pray and to seek God's face. We know that setting time aside for prayer was part of his regular routine of life. Peter was a person who was constantly developing intimacy with God. So it should come as no surprise that God spoke to him. And when he did, he recognised God's voice. And I really believe as we continue to spend time with Jesus, we too should have an expectation of encounters with him and that he will speak to us in ways that could change our lives. He can speak to us today in this service, when you get home, through a circumstance. God is always speaking. It may not be in a dream or a vision like Peter had it, maybe. 
but could also be through a circumstance of life. It might be in a surprise conversation with your next-door neighbour or your friend. It could be uh, in a discussion in your life group. It could be while you're out on a walk in nature. It could be while you're opening the Word and reading that God just speaks something from His Word straight to your heart that changes you. It could be when you're in your bedroom, on your knees, in prayer. You see, God is always speaking, but we're often not listening. So every morning we should wake up with a prayer and an expectation that today God wants to have an encounter with me that could change my life and help me to become more like him. Because I don't want to be the same person I am today this time next year. And I love you, but I don't want you to be the same people you are today this time next year. I don't want us to be the same church we are today this time next year. My prayer is that we'll be more passionate, more on fire, more vibrant, more in love with Jesus as we fix our eyes on the one who died for our sins and has set us free from death to live our lives for him. And so Peter prepared himself for this encounter that he had with God that changed his life. But it doesn't always happen in the same way, does it? Peter's story is descriptive, not prescriptive. And God, his ways are higher than our ways. We prayed this in the prayer meeting this morning. VJ was praying. We meet up in the upper room and right there we felt God's presence fall on us this morning. And we were talking about how God's ways are higher than our ways. And the thing about our God is that he moves in mysterious ways. And so today's passage from Acts chapter 9 is entirely different. The story of Saul's encounter with the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus is in direct contrast to Peter's story. Most of us would know that Saul, after this encounter we read about in Acts chapter 9, became Paul, who's one of the greatest apostles in salvation history. In fact, if you've got your Bible today, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. An amazing, amazing man. He took the gospel to the known world. He planted churches right around the world. And his impact is still being felt to today. An extraordinary man. But unlike Peter, as we read his account, his life-changing encounter didn't come on the back of preparation. Saul was the antithesis of a disciple of Jesus. He was the exact opposite of Peter. Unlike Peter, he wasn't following God. He hadn't found you know, um, a quiet space to pray. He wasn't trying to follow Jesus. Instead, Saul was literally travelling down a road with a letter from the high priest giving him permission to hunt down, persecute, throw in prison and potentially kill anybody who followed Jesus. And so Peter and Saul were exactly the opposite, and yet what they have in common is that one encounter with God changed their lives forever. Right there on that road, the risen Jesus appeared to Saul, struck him blind, and turned his world inside out and upside down in one moment. And by the time his physical blindness was cured, his spiritual eyes were also opened. One encounter, one moment changed everything. From this encounter, there are two very brief things I want to encourage us with this morning. And the first one is this, that nobody is beyond God's reach. Now, as I prayed about this sermon, as I put it together, I really felt that there were some people that need to hear that sentence this morning, that nobody is beyond God's reach. And so like I often do, we're going to say this together. (laughs) On the count of three, are you ready? Nobody is beyond God's reach. Let's say it again like we mean it. Nobody is beyond God's reach. You know, if you think of what it looks like to be far from God, I mean, the furthest you can be away from accepting Jesus, I reckon Saul is your poster boy. 
It's not only that he's not interested, he's actively persecuting people who are following Jesus. Look at verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breeding out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Have you ever been so angry that you have, you know, breathed out murderous threats against someone? Okay, parents, put your hands down. If you're not a parent, have you ever felt that angry before? Where you, <laughs> you've read out, you know, murderous threats against people? You know, we might know people that don't like Christians. We might know people that don't want to come to church. We might like, know people that dislike us, but many, not many of us know people who want to actively pursue and kill them. And yet this is what Saul was doing. He hated Jesus. He hated Christians. You can't get any further away from God than that. And so we would assume that Saul, we could easily assume that he's beyond the reach of God's love. He's so far away from God's love because a leopard never changes its spots, right? And yet in one moment, in one encounter, God changed his life forever. This bitter, hate-filled man went from being one of the greatest persecutors of Christianity we've ever seen to one of the greatest promoters of Christianity we've ever seen. After Saul's conversion, it was so radical. Even the apostles and other disciples were wary of him because they didn't really believe it. He was so far from God. Has Saul really changed? Could he really be a new person? Is it even possible? Was Saul beyond the reach of God's love? Well, the answer is absolutely no. And it should be a great encouragement for each of us because no doubt today that all of us know people that we perceive as being far from God and it makes us sad because we think, you know what, it doesn't seem like there's any hope for that person. Whether we say it out loud, we put limitations on God. It might be our son or our daughter, it might be a family member or a friend, it might be our next door neighbour or someone in our community. And we look at them and our perception is they're so far from God, they're never going to change. They're never going to accept Christ and we put limitations on what God can do. And whether we say it out loud, whether we verbalise it or not, we have this scale going on in our heads when it comes to how close or how far away someone is from God. And so this morning, I could use the four people that are getting baptised as an example. And so let's say this pulpit here represents God and being close to God. Well, this morning, Josiah is getting baptised. He's the intern at our church, the youth intern. And it's exciting and it's great. Be able to hear his testimony. But Josiah, he grew up in a Christian home. He went to a Christian school. He's got amazing Christian parents and grandparents who are here today. And so we look at Josiah even before he was a Christian and say, okay, well, if that's God and being in intimate relationship with God, well, Josiah, you know, he's pretty close. He's about here somewhere. You know, he's pretty close to God. He's well within the reach of God's love. You know, he's just a step away. And it's kind of inevitable one day he'll come to know Jesus, Right. So we go, well, Josiah's about there. Then we think of Jack. Jack's getting baptised. So he's 83 years of age. And Jack looks younger than me. But he's 83 and he still does park run. He's an amazing guy. And he's, he's just been an incredible person in our community. He was a citizen of the year in 2014. And he's rubbed shoulders with a lot of Christians throughout the journey, getting to know people and different projects he's been involved in. So you think, well, if that's intimacy with God and being in a relationship with him, well, well Jack's a really good person. He's not that far away. You know, he's still within the reach of God's love, no doubt. You know, one day, hopefully, Jack will become a Christian, and, and he has. But then we think of Angela. Angela here, amazing person over there. And Angela is, I just sat with her for an hour and a half this week and just heard her story as she pretty much cried her whole way through it. And it was a powerful story, a drug addiction and an abusive relationship and 
trouble in the family for many years, and you, and you can look at someone angelically in that state and go, wow, at different points she seems so far from God. And you know, is she beyond God's reach? Is she too far away from God that he could ever reach out with his love and save her? And then Maria is the last one. And Maria grew up in a different faith, from a Muslim family. And we think of people from other faiths and we think, man, they're so far away from God. How can we ever reach someone of a different faith? Like they know we're near God and they might be over here somewhere. They're just too far away from the reach of God's love. What I want to say today is that we have these scales in our head, but in God's head, there's no such thing as a scale. There is not a single person you will ever lay eyes on that is beyond the reach of God's love. Not a single person. How's that encouraging for us? Well, the person you're praying for, your son or your daughter, your mum or your dad, your friend or your workmate, no matter how far they seem from God, they are never beyond his reach. And if a moment of encounter, God could change someone like Saul, guess what? He can change your friend. He can change your family member. He can change those people in your workplace. Because our God can do all things and there is nobody beyond God's reach. And so the first thing I want to encourage you about is that there's nobody beyond the reach of God's love. The second thing I want to say is never underestimate sown seeds. We look at Peter's story and we see how he prepared his heart for an encounter with God. We read the story of Saul and we could easily assume that it was so different that this encounter literally came out of nowhere. That he was just going along trying to kill Christians and all of a sudden, bang, an encounter and his life changed and it came from absolutely nowhere. Well, I reckon that would underestimate the seeds that had been sown in his life. In Acts chapter 7, we read about a guy called Stephen, an incredible man, described in Scripture as a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of chapter 7 of Acts, after powerfully preaching and accusing the religious hypocrites of being stiff-necked people and always resisting the Holy Spirit, he is dragged out by those same religious hypocrites and he is stoned to death outside the city. Stephen was the first Christian martyr, first person to die for their faith in Jesus after his resurrection. But at the very end of the account, there's this interesting little verse. And it says, And Saul approved of their killing him. You see, Saul, the same guy who has the encounter later on on the road to Damascus, was there listening through this powerful sermon as Stephen shared such deep and powerful truth and he was there witnessing Stephen being willing to die for the same faith that he proclaimed. It couldn't help but impact you, right? How could this guy be so bold and courageous if it's going to cost him his life? How can he keep preaching and believing in God and crying out to Jesus when he's being stoned to death? It's got to have an impact. And sometimes we share about Jesus and it's a wonderful thing to do, to vocalise the gospel. We need to be doing that with people. But it's also true that our lives are often the greatest apologetic. We can talk about Jesus, but if we don't live out the truth of who he is and who he wants us to be, we might as well waste our, save our breath. You'll have no impact whatsoever. Stephen died that day. But as he was buried in the ground, a seed was also sown in Saul's heart. Seeds planted take time to grow, and what Saul saw in Stephen started his journey to salvation. So our job, our role, our calling as gifted people, gifted by God, followers of Jesus, is to keep sowing seeds in word, 
and indeed. And as we do, even when people seem far from God, we must remember that nobody is beyond the reach of his love. And so we must go and sow and allow God to grow the seeds we sow. Let me say that again. We must go and sow and allow God to grow the seeds that we sow. If you're a Christian here today, I just want to encourage you. I look at someone like Maria here, and I know there's been lots of prayer and conversation with Catalina over a long time about the Christian faith. It's been sowing seeds. I know the same with Jack. I know the same with Josiah. No doubt with his parents praying that he come to know the Lord as a young kid. Angela, the same thing. People journeying with her, sharing, going to churches. Seeds were being sown. And the exciting thing is today is evidence that God has grown those seeds. And so if you're a Christian here today, I want to encourage you to keep sowing seeds and to keep spending time with God and to have prayerful expectation that today, this week, this month, this year, God wants you to have encounters with him that will change your life. Like the rainbow in the sky, they will come and go, but there's always another encounter to have with God because he's alive. If you're not a Christian this morning, you might think, well, Luke, I don't believe in God. The Bible is not really relevant for me. I don't believe it's even true. What I want to say to you this morning is that in many, in many ways that's irrelevant because even if you don't believe in Jesus and regardless of what you think of the Bible, it doesn't change the reality that God still loves and believes in you. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made by God who created you in his image and he wants you to have an encounter with him. This morning we're going to hear four testimonies of men and women who were once far from God. They were blind but now they see. And their lives have changed through an encounter with God that caused them to see that they were sinners in need of a saviour and that saviour is Jesus. You know, it's easy to argue with theology. You might hear what I say today and go, nah, don't agree. I'm going to argue with everything you say. It's easy to do that. It's a lot harder to argue with the testimony of a changed life. And that's what you're going to hear today. And as these four precious people share their stories, I pray that you'd be encouraged, that you'd be inspired, that you'd be challenged but most of all that you would consider this Jesus who they testify to this morning because just as he's changed my life and their lives and so many people in this room and so many people watching on live stream, he can change your life as well. And so if you'd like to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, if you'd like to be baptised next time we have baptisms, please come and see myself or Adam after the service and we'd love to pray with you and help you on the next step of the journey. Thanks for joining us for our weekly message. If you live in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne, we'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service. All the information can be found on our website, follow.church. You can also follow us on social media at Follow Baptist Church.